On Modesty, Part 2, by Tertullian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. We know plainly at this point, too, the suspicions which they raise, for in fact they suspect the Apostle Paul of having, in the second epistle to the Corinthians, granted pardon to the self-same fornicator whom in the first he has publicly sentenced to be surrendered to satan for the destruction of the flesh impious heir as he was to his father's wedlock as if he subsequently erased his own words writing but if any hath wholly saddened he hath not wholly saddened me but in part lest i burden you all sufficient is such a chiding which is given by many so that on the contrary ye should prefer to forgive and console, lest perhaps by more abundant sadness such an one be devoured. For which reason, I pray you, confirm toward him affection. For to this end, withal, I have written, that I may learn a proof of you, that in all things ye are obedient to me. But if ye shall have forgiven any, so do I. For I, too, if I have forgiven aught, have forgiven in the person of Christ, lest we be overreached by Satan, since we are not ignorant of his injections. What reference is understood here to the fornicator? What to the contaminator of his father's bed? What to the Christian who had overstepped the shamelessness of heathens, since, of course, he would have absolved by a special pardon one whom he had condemned by a special anger? He is more obscure in his pity than in his indignation. He is more open in his austerity than in his lenity. And yet, generally, anger is more readily indirect than indulgence. Things of a sadder are more wont to hesitate than things of a more joyous cast. Of course, the question in hand concerned some moderate indulgence, which moderation in the indulgence was now, if ever, to be divined, when it is usual for all the greatest indulgences not to be granted without public proclamation, so far are they from being granted without particularization. Why do you yourself, when introducing into the church for the purpose of melting the brotherhood by his prayers, the repentant adulterer, lead into the midst and prostrate him, all in haircloth and ashes, a compound of disgrace and horror before the widows, before the elders, suing for the tears of all, licking the footprints of all, clasping the knees of all. And do you, good shepherd and blessed father that you are, to bring about the desired end of the man, grace your harangue with all the allurements of mercy in your power, and under the parable of the you go in quest of your goats? Do you for fear lest your you again take a leap out from the flock, as if that were no more lawful for the future, which was not even once lawful, fill all the rest likewise full of apprehension at the very moment of granting indulgence? And would the apostle so carelessly have granted indulgence to the atrocious licentiousness of fornication, burdened with incest, as not at least to have exacted from the criminal even this legally established garb of repentance which you ought to have learned from him, as to have uttered no commination in the past? no allocution touching the future, nay more, he goes further and beseeches that they would confirm toward him affection, as if he were making satisfaction to him, not as if he were granting an indulgence. 
and yet i hear him speak of affection not communion as he writes withal to the thessalonians but if any obey not our word through the epistle mark him and associate not with him that he may feel awed not regarding him as an enemy but rebuking as a brother accordingly he could have said that to a fornicator too affection only was conceded not communion as well to an incestuous man however not even affection whom he would to be sure have bidden to be banished from their midst much more of course from their mind but he was apprehensive lest they should be overreached by satan with regard to the loss of that person whom himself had cast forth to satan or else lest by abundance of mourning he should be devoured whom he had sentenced to destruction of the flesh here they go so far as to interpret destruction of the flesh of the office of repentance in that by fasts and squalor and every species of neglect and studious ill-treatment devoted to the extermination of the flesh it seems to make satisfaction to god so that they argue that the fornicator that incestuous person rather having been delivered by the apostle to satan not with a view to perdition but with a view to emendation on the hypothesis that subsequently he would on account of the destruction that is the general affliction of the flesh attain pardon therefore did actually attain it plainly the self-same apostle delivered to satan hymenaeus and alexander that they might be amended into not blaspheming as he writes to his timotheus but withal himself says that a stake was given him an angel of satan by which he was to be buffeted lest he should exalt himself if they touch upon this instance withal in order to lead us to understand that such as were delivered to satan by him were so delivered with a view to emendation not to perdition what similarity is there between blasphemy and incest and a soul entirely free from these nay rather elated from no other source than the highest sanctity and all innocence which elation of soul was being restrained in the apostle by buffets if you will by means as they say of pain in the ear or head incest however and blasphemy deserved to have delivered the entire persons of men to satan himself for a possession not to an angel of his and there is yet another point for about this it makes a difference nay rather withal in regard to this it is of the utmost consequence that we find these men delivered by the apostle to satan but to the apostle himself an angel of satan given lastly when paul is praying the lord for its removal what does he hear hold my grace sufficient for virtue is perfected in infirmity this they who are surrendered to satan cannot hear moreover if the crime of hymenaeus and alexander blasphemy to wit is irremissible in this and in the future age of course the apostle would not in opposition to the determinate decision of the lord have given to satan under a hope of pardon men already sunken from the faith into blasphemy whence too he pronounced them shipwrecked with regard to faith having no longer the solace of the ship the church for to those who after believing have struck upon the rock of blasphemy pardon is denied on the other hand heathens and heretics are daily emerging out of blasphemy but even if he did say i delivered them to satan that they might receive the discipline of not blaspheming he said it of the rest who by their deliverance to satan that is their projection outside the church had to be trained in the knowledge that there must be no blaspheming 
so therefore the incestuous fornicator too he delivered not with a view to emendation but with a view to perdition to satan to whom he had already by sinning above an heathen gone over that they might learn there must be no fornicating finally he says for the destruction of the flesh not its torture condemning the actual substance through which he had fallen out of the faith which substance had already perished immediately on the loss of baptism in order that the spirit he says may be saved in the day of the lord and here again is a difficulty for let this point be inquired into whether the man's own spirit will be saved in that case a spirit polluted with so great a wickedness will be saved the object of the perdition of the flesh being that the spirit may be saved in penalty in that case the interpretation which is contrary to ours will recognize a penalty without the flesh if we lose the resurrection of the flesh it remains therefore that his meaning was that that spirit which is accounted to exist in the church must be presented saved that is untainted by the contagion of impurities in the day of the lord by the ejection of the incestuous fornicator if that is he subjoins know ye not that a little leaven spoileth the savour of the whole lump and yet incestuous fornication was not a little but a large leaven and these intervening points have accordingly been got rid of i return to the second of corinthians in order to prove that this saying also of the apostle sufficient to such a man be this rebuke which is administered by many is not suitable to the person of the fornicator for if he had sentenced him to be surrendered to satan for the destruction of the flesh of course he had condemned rather than rebuked him some other then it was to whom he willed the rebuke to be sufficient if that is the fornicator had incurred not rebuke from his sentence but condemnation for i offer you withal for your investigation this very question whether there were in the first epistle others too who wholly saddened the apostle by acting disorderly and were wholly saddened by him through incurring his rebuke according to the sense of the second epistle of whom some particular one may in that second epistle have received pardon direct we moreover our attention to the entire first epistle written that i may so say as a whole not with ink but with gall swelling indignant disdainful comminatory invidious and shaped through a series of individual charges with an eye to certain individuals who were as it were the proprietors of those charges for so had schisms and emulations and discussions and presumptions and elations and contentions required that they should be laden with invidiousness and rebuffed with curt reproof and filed down by haughtiness and deterred by austerity and what kind of invidiousness is the pungency of humility to god i give thanks that i have baptized none of you except crispus and gaius lest any say that i have baptized in mine own name for neither did i judge to know anything among you but jesus christ and him crucified and i think god hath selected us the apostles as hindmost like men appointed to fight with wild beasts since we have been made a spectacle to this world both to angels and to men and we have been made the offscourings of this world and the refuse of all and am i not free am i not an apostle have i not seen christ jesus our lord with what kind of superciliousness on the contrary was he compelled to declare but to me it is of small moment that i be interrogated by you or by a human court day 
for neither am I conscious to myself of any guilt, and my glory none shall make empty. Know ye not that we are to judge angels? Again, of how open censure does the free expression find utterance? How manifest the edge of the spiritual sword in words like these? Ye are already enriched, ye are already satiated, ye are already reigning, and if any thinks himself to know, he knoweth not yet how it behoves him to know. Is he not even then smiting someone's face in saying, For who maketh thee to differ? What, moreover, hast thou which thou hast not received? Why gloriest thou as if thou have not received? Is he not withal smiting them upon the mouth in saying, But some in their conscience, even until now, eat it, as if it were an idle sacrifice, but so sinning by shocking the weak consciences of the brethren thoroughly, they will sin against Christ? By this time, indeed, he mentions individuals by name. Or have we not a power of eating and of drinking and of leading about women, just as the other apostles withal, and the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? And if others attain to a share in power over you, may not we rather? In like manner he pricks them, too, with an individualizing pen. Wherefore let him who thinketh himself to be standing see lest he fall. And if any seemeth to be contentious, we have not such a custom, nor has the church of the Lord. With such a final clause as the following, wound up with a malediction. If any loveth not the Lord Jesus, be he anathema, maranatha. He is, of course, striking some particular individual through. But I will rather take my stand at that point where the apostle is most fervent, where the fornicator himself has troubled others also. As if I be not about to come unto you, some are inflated. But I will come with more speed, if the Lord shall have permitted, and will learn not the speech of those who are inflated, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in speech, but in power. And what will ye? Shall I come unto you in a rod, or in a spirit of lenity? For what was to succeed? There is heard among you generally fornication, and such fornication as is not heard even among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And are ye inflated, and have ye not rather mourned, that he who hath committed such a deed may be taken away from the midst of you? For whom were they to mourn? Of course, for one dead. To whom were they to mourn? Of course, to the Lord, in order that in some way or other he may be taken away from the midst of them. Not, of course, in order that he may be put outside the church, for a thing would not have been requested of God, which came within the official province of the president of the church. But what would be requested of him was that through death, not only this death common to all, but one specially appropriate to that very flesh, which was already a corpse, a tomb leprous with irremediable uncleanness, he might more fully than by simple excommunication incur the penalty of being taken away from the church. And accordingly, in so far as it was meantime possible for him to be taken away, he adjudged such an one to be surrendered to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. For it followed that flesh which was being cast forth to the devil should be accursed, in order that it might be discarded, from the sacrament of blessing, never to return into the camp of the church. And thus we see in this place the apostles' severity divided against one who was inflated and one who was incestuous, 
we see the apostle armed against the one with a rod, against the other with a sentence, a rod which he was threatening, a sentence which he was executing. The former we see still brandishing, the latter instantaneously hurtling, the one wherewith he was rebuking, and the other wherewith he was condemning. And certain it is that forthwith thereafter the rebuked one indeed trembled beneath the menace of the uplifted rod, but the condemned perished under the instant infliction of the penalty. Immediately the former retreated, fearing the blow, the latter paying the penalty. When a letter of the self-same apostle is sent a second time to the Corinthians, pardon is granted plainly, but it is uncertain to whom, because neither person nor cause is advertised. I will compare the cases with the censors. If the incestuous man is set before us, on the same platform will be the inflated man too. Surely the analogy of the case is sufficiently maintained when the inflated is rebuked, but the incestuous is condemned. To the inflated, pardon is granted, but after rebuke. To the incestuous, no pardon seems to have been granted, as under condemnation. If it was to him for whom it was feared that he might be devoured by mourning, that pardon was being granted. The rebuked one was still in danger of being devoured, losing heart on account of the commination, and mourning on account of the rebuke. The condemned one, however, was permanently accounted as already devoured, alike by his fault and by his sentence, accounted, that is, as one who had not to mourn but to suffer that which before suffering it he might have mourned. If the reason why pardon was being granted was, lest we should be defrauded by Satan, the loss against which precaution was being taken had to do with that which had not yet perished. No precaution is taken in the case of a thing finally dispatched, but in the case of a thing still safe. But the condemned one, condemned too to the possession of Satan, had already perished from the church at the moment when he had committed such a deed, not to say withal at the moment of being forsworn by the church itself. How should the church fear to suffer a fraudulent loss of him, whom she had already lost at his eruption, and whom, after condemnation, she could not have held? Lastly, to what will it be becoming for a judge to grant indulgence, to that which by a formal pronouncement he has decisively settled, or to that which by an interlocutory sentence he has left in suspense? And, of course, I am speaking of that judge who is not wont to rebuild those things which he has destroyed, lest he be held a transgressor. Come now, if he had not wholly saddened so many persons in the first epistle, if he had rebuked none, had terrified none, if he had smitten the incestuous man alone, if for his cause he had sent none into panic, had struck no inflated one with consternation, would it not be better for you to suspect, and more believing for you to argue, that rather some one far different had been in the same predicament at that time among the Corinthians, so that, rebuked and terrified, and already wounded with mourning, he therefore, the moderate nature of his fault permitting it, subsequently received pardon, than that you should interpret that pardon as granted to an incestuous fornicator. For this you had been bound to read, even if not in an epistle, yet impressed upon the very character of the apostle, by his modesty more clearly than by the instrumentality of a pen, not to steep to wit Paul the apostle of Christ, the teacher of the nations in faith and verity, the vessel of election, the founder of churches, the censor of discipline, 
in the guilt of levity so great as that he should either have condemned rashly one whom he was presently to absolve or else rashly absolved one whom he had not rashly condemned albeit on the ground of that fornication which is the result of simple immodesty not to say on the ground of incestuous nuptials and impious voluptuousness and parricidal lust lust which he had refused to compare even with the lusts of the nations for fear it should be set down to the account of custom lust on which he would sit in judgment though absent for fear the culprit should gain the time lust which he had condemned after calling to his aid even the lord's power for fear the sentence should seem human therefore he has trifled both with his own spirit and with the angel of the church and with the power of the lord if he rescinded what by their counsel he had formerly pronounced if you hammer out the sequel of that epistle to illustrate the meaning of the apostle neither will that sequel be found to square with the obliteration of incest lest even here the apostle be put to the blush by the incongruity of his later meanings for what kind of hypothesis is it that the very moment after making a largesse of restoration to the privileges of ecclesiastical peace to an incestuous fornicator he should forthwith have proceeded to accumulate exhortations about turning away from impurities about pruning away of blemishes about exhortations to deeds of sanctity as if he had decreed nothing of a contrary nature just before compare in short and see whether it be his province to say wherefore having this ministration in accordance with the fact that we have obtained mercy we faint not but renounce the secret things of disgrace who has just released from condemnation one manifestly convicted of not disgrace merely but crime too whether it be his province again to excuse a conspicuous immodesty who among the counts of his own labours after straits and pressures after fasts and vigils has named chastity also whether it be once more his province to receive back into communion whatsoever reprobates who writes for what society is there between righteousness and iniquity what communion moreover between light and darkness what consonance between christ and belial or what part for a believer with an unbeliever or what agreement between the temple of god and idols will he not deserve to hear constantly the reply and in what manner do you make a separation between things which in the former part of your epistle by restitution of the incestuous one you have joined for by his restoration to concorporate unity with the church righteousness is made to have fellowship with iniquity darkness has communion with light belial is consonant with christ and believers share the sacraments with unbeliever and idols may see to themselves the very vitiator of the temple of god is converted into a temple of god for here too he says for ye are a temple of the living god for he saith that i will dwell in you and will walk in you and will be their god and they shall be to me a people wherefore depart from the midst of them be separate and touch not the unclean this thread of discourse also you spin out o apostle when at the very moment you yourself are offering your hand to so huge a whirlpool of impurities nay you superadd yet further having therefore this promise beloved cleanse we ourselves out from every defilement of flesh and spirit perfecting chastity in god's fear i pray you had he who fixes such exhortations in our minds been recalling some notorious fornicator into the church 
or is his reason for writing it to prevent himself from appearing to you in the present day to have so recalled him these words of his will be in duty bound alike to serve as a prescriptive rule for the foregone and a prejudgment for the following parts of the epistle for in saying toward the end of the epistle lest when i shall have come god humble me and i bewail many of those who have formerly sinned and have not repented of the impurity which they have committed the fornication and the vileness he did not of course determine that they were to be received back by him into the church if they should have entered the path of repentance whom he was to find in the church but that they were to be bewailed and indubitably ejected that they might lose the benefit of repentance and besides it is not congruous that he who had above asserted that there was no communion between light and darkness righteousness and iniquity should in this place have been indicating somewhat touching communion but all such are ignorant of the apostle as understand anything in a sense contrary to the nature and design of the man himself contrary to the norm and rule of his doctrines so as to presume that he a teacher of every sanctity even by his own example an execrator and expiator of every impurity and universally consistent with himself in these points restored ecclesiastical privileges to an incestuous person sooner than to some more mild offender necessary it is therefore that the character of the apostle should be continuously pointed out to them whom i will maintain to be such in the second of corinthians withal as i know him to be in all his letters he it is who even in the first epistle was the first of all the apostles to dedicate the temple of god know ye not that ye are the temple of god and that in you the lord dwells who likewise for the consecrating and purifying of that temple wrote the law pertaining to the temple keepers if any shall have marred the temple of god him shall god mar for the temple of god is holy which temple are ye who in the world has ever redintegrated one who has been marred by god that is delivered to satan with a view to destruction of the flesh after subjoining for that reason let none seduce himself that is let none presume that one marred by god can possibly be redintegrated anew just as again among all other crimes nay even before all others when affirming that adulterers and fornicators and effeminates and cohabitors with males will not attain the kingdom of god he premised do not err to wit if you think they will attain it but to them from whom the kingdom is taken away of course the life which exists in the kingdom is not permitted either moreover by superadding but such indeed ye have been but ye have received ablution but ye have been sanctified in the name of the lord jesus christ and in the spirit of our god in as far as he puts on the paid side of the account such sins before baptism in so far after baptism he determines them irremissible if it is true as it is that they are not allowed to receive ablution anew recognized too in what follows paul in the character of an immovable column of discipline and its rules meats for the belly and the belly for meats god maketh a full end both of the one and of the others but the body is not for fornication but for god for let us make man said god conformable to our image and likeness and god made man conformable to the image and likeness of god made he him the lord for the body yes and the word was made flesh moreover god both raised up the lord and will raise up us through his own power on account to wit of the union of our body with him and accordingly know ye not your bodies to be members of christ because christ too is god's temple 
overturn this temple, and I will in three days' space resuscitate it. Taking away the members of Christ, shall I make them members of an harlot? Know ye not that whoever is agglutinated to a harlot is made one body? For the two shall be made into one flesh, but whoever is agglutinated to the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. If revocable by pardon, in what sense am I to flee it, to turn adulterer anew? I shall gain nothing if I do flee it. I shall be one body, to which by communion I shall be agglutinated. Every sin which a human being may have committed is extraneous to the body, but whoever fornicateth sinneth against his own body. And for fear you should fly to that statement for a license to fornication on the ground that you will be sinning against a thing which is yours, not the Lord's, he takes you away from yourself and awards you according to his previous disposition to Christ, and ye are not your own. Immediately opposing thereto, forbought ye are with a price, the blood to wit of the Lord. Glorify and extol the Lord in your body. See whether he who gives this injunction be likely to have pardoned one who has disgraced the Lord and who has cast him down from the empire of his body, and this indeed through incest. If you wish to imbibe to the utmost all knowledge of the apostle in order to understand with what an axe of censorship he lops and eradicates and extirpates every forest of lusts for fear of permitting aught to regain strength and sprout again, Behold him desiring souls to keep a fast from the legitimate fruit of nature, the apple I mean of marriage. But with regard to what he wrote, good it is for a man to have no contact with a woman, but on account of fornication, let each one have his own wife, let husband to wife and wife to husband render what is due. Who but must know that it was against his will that he relaxed the bond of this good in order to prevent fornication? But if he either has granted or does grant indulgence to fornication, of course he has frustrated the design of his own remedy, and will be bound forthwith to put the curb upon the nuptials of continence if the fornication for the sake of which those nuptials are permitted shall cease to be feared. For a fornication which has indulgence granted it will not be feared. And yet he professes that he has granted the use of marriage by way of indulgence, not of command, for he wills all to be on a level with himself. But when things lawful are only granted by way of indulgence, who hopes for things unlawful? To the unmarried also and widows, he says, it is good, by his example, to persevere in their present state. But if they were too weak, to marry, because it is preferable to marry than to burn. With what fires, I pray you, is it preferable to burn, the fires of concupiscence or the fires of penalty? Nay, but if fornication is pardonable, it will not be an object of concupiscence, but it is more the manner of an apostle to take forethought for the fires of penalty. Wherefore, if it is penalty which burns, it follows that fornication which penalty awaits is not pardonable. Meantime withal, while prohibiting divorce, he uses the Lord's precept against adultery as an instrument for providing, in place of divorce, either perseverance in widowhood, or else a reconciliation of peace, inasmuch as whoever shall have dismissed a wife for any cause except the cause of adultery, maketh her commit adultery, and he who marrieth one dismissed by a husband committeth adultery." What powerful remedies does the Holy Spirit furnish to prevent, to wit, the commission anew of that which he wills not should anew be pardoned? Now, 
if in all cases he says it is best for a man thus to be thou art joined to a wife seek not loosing that you may give no occasion to adultery thou art loosed from a wife seek not a wife that you may reserve an opportunity for yourself but withal if thou shalt have married a wife and if a virgin shall have married she sinneth not pressure however of the flesh such shall have even here he is granting a permission by way of sparing them on the other hand he lays it down that the time is wound up in order that even they who have wives may be as if they had them not for the fashion of this world is passing away this world no longer to wit requiting the command grow and multiply thus he wills us to pass our life without anxiety because the unmarried care about the lord how they may please god the married however muse about the world how they may please their spouse thus he pronounces that the preserver of a virgin doeth better than her giver in marriage thus too he discriminatingly judges her to be more blessed who after losing her husband subsequently to her entrance into the faith lovingly embraces the opportunity of widowhood thus he commends as divine all these counsels of continence i think he says i too have the spirit of god who is this your most audacious asserter of all immodesty plainly a most faithful advocate of the adulterous and fornicators and incestuous in whose honour he has undertaken this cause against the holy spirit so that he recites a false testimony from the writings of his apostle no such indulgence granted paul who endeavours to obliterate necessity of the flesh wholly from the list of even honourable pretexts for marriage unions he does grant indulgence i allow not to adulteries but to nuptials he does spare i allow marriages not harlotries he tries to avoid giving pardon even to nature for fear he may flatter guilt he is studious to put restraints upon the union which is heir to blessing for fear that which is heir to curse be excused this one possibility was left him to purge the flesh from natural dregs for cleanse it from foul stains he cannot but this is the usual way with perverse and ignorant heretics yes and by this time even with psychics universally to arm themselves with the opportune support of some one ambiguous passage in opposition to the disciplined host of sentences of the entire document challenge me to front the apostolic line of battle look at his epistles they all keep guard in defence of modesty of chastity of sanctity they all aim their missiles against the interests of luxury and the viciousness and lust what in short does he write to the thessalonians withal for our consolation originated not of seduction nor of impurity and this is the will of god your sanctification that ye abstain from fornication that each one know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honour not in the lust of concupiscence as do the nations which are ignorant of god what do the galatians read manifest are the works of the flesh what are these among the first he has set fornication impurity lavishness concerning which i foretell you as i have foretold that whoever do such acts are not to attain by inheritance the kingdom of god the romans moreover what learning is more impressed upon them than that there must be no dereliction of the lord after believing what then say we do we persevere in sin in order that grace may superabound far be it we who are dead to sin how shall we live in it still are ye ignorant that we who have been baptized in christ have been baptized into his death 
buried with him then we have been through the baptism into the death in order that as christ hath risen again from the dead so we too may walk in newness of life for if we have been buried together in the likeness of his death why we shall be in that of his resurrection too knowing this that our old man hath been crucified together with him but if we died with christ we believe that we shall live too with him knowing that christ having been raised from the dead no more dieth that death no more hath dominionation over him for in that he died to sin he died once for all but in that he liveth to god he liveth thus too repute ye yourselves dead indeed to sin but living to god through christ jesus therefore christ being once for all dead none who subsequently to christ has died can live again to sin and especially to so heinous a sin else if fornication and adultery may by possibility be anew admissible christ withal will be able anew to die moreover the apostle is urgent in prohibiting sin from reigning in our mortal body whose infirmity of the flesh he knew for as ye have tendered your members to servile impurity and iniquity so too now tender them servants to righteousness under holiness for even if he has affirmed that good dwelleth not in his flesh yet he means according to the law of the letter in which he was but according to the law of the spirit to which he annexes us he frees us from the infirmity of the flesh for the law he says of the spirit of life hath manumitted thee from the law of sin and of death for albeit he may appear to be partly disputing from the standpoint of judaism yet it is to us that he is directing the integrity and plenitude of the rules of discipline us for whose sake soever labouring as we were in the law god hath sent through flesh his own son in similitude of flesh of sin and became of sin hath condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness of the law he says might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit for they who walk according to the flesh are sensible as to those things which are the fleshes and they who walk according to the spirit those which are the spirits moreover he has affirmed the sense of the flesh to be death hence too enmity and enmity toward god and that they who are in the flesh that is in the sense of the flesh cannot please god and if ye live according to flesh he says it will come to pass that ye die but what do we understand the sense of the flesh and the life of the flesh to mean except whatever it shames one to pronounce for the other works of the flesh even an apostle would have named similarly too when writing to the ephesians while recalling past deeds he warns them concerning the future in which we too had our conversation doing the concupiscences and pleasures of the flesh branding in fine such as had denied themselves christians to wit on the score of having delivered themselves up to the working of every impurity but ye he says not so have learnt christ and again he says thus let him who was wont to steal steal no more but similarly let him who was wont to commit adultery hitherto not commit adultery and he who was wont to fornicate hitherto not fornicate for he would have added these admonitions too had he been in the habit of extending pardon to such or at all willed it to be extended he who not willing pollution to be contracted even by a word says let no base speech proceed out of your mouth 
again but let fornication and every impurity not even be named among you as becometh saints so far is it from being excused knowing this that every fornicator or impure person hath not god's kingdom let none seduce you with empty words on this account cometh the wrath of god upon the sons of unbelief who seduces with empty words but he who states in a public harangue that adultery is remissible not seeing into the fact that its very foundations have been dug out by the apostle when he puts restraints upon drunkennesses and revellings as with all here and be not inebriated with wine in which is voluptuousness he demonstrates too to the colossians what members they are to mortify upon earth fornication impurity lust evil concupiscence and base talk yield up by this time to so many and such sentences the one passage to which you cling paucity is cast into the shade by multitude doubt for certainty obscurity by plainness even if for certain the apostle had granted pardon of fornication to that corinthian it would have been another instance of his once for all contravening his own practice to meet the requirement of the time he circumcised timotheus alone and yet did away with circumcision end of on modesty part two by tertullian